If you could open to the book of John, chapter 14. How's everyone doing? You have a good Christmas? All right, good, good. Get some good presents. I mean, give, give some good presents. Sure, that's what we're thinking about most. All right. Um, it's a little chilly out, huh? One of the things that our family did over break was we went up north to go skiing because it wasn't quite cold enough here. And we went skiing, and we got one of those things where you got to pay ahead of time and you don't get your money back, whether you go or not. So we paid, and we went. And the temperature the morning we were going to ski, the starting temperature was 21 degrees and not above zero. 21 below, first chairlift. And we said, get behind me, cold. Ain't afraid of you, punk. And then we, we did one run, and then we scurried back into the lodge to warm up. <laughs> Anyways, and spent a lot of money on gloves uh, and hand warmers. So anyway, we had a great time. All right, uh, happy New Year's. This really is our New Year's Eve party right here. What's going on tonight is just the after party, because we love to celebrate Jesus, amen, and the Spirit, and God, and the Word of God, and uh, um, just love being together, so yes, this is awesome. Uh, speaking of celebrating, we're celebrating the character of the King. This is our last sermon in the sermon series about who Jesus is. According to Isaiah 9, verse 6, we have discussed that he is our, who, who's listened? Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, and Mighty God. Awesome. Uh, he is so much more than these things, but these are huge. If we can understand and believe and know and receive into the depths of our souls who Jesus is, then we will have great joy, and not just at Christmas. Uh, we'll have great joy in our lives. So Prince of Peace started last week, but it was so encouraging to me, and I had so much to say, I felt like it would be best to split it up into two weeks. So this is uh, part two Prince of Peace. So I'll review a little bit what we talked about last week, and then we'll get into what we're going to talk about this week. Okay, so peace, the word peace means wholeness, safety, soundness, and or health, okay? And from the macro to the micro, it's not hard to see in our world or in the world at large that the world has largely lost it's peace. It really doesn't know how to get it. Uh, looks to all the wrong places to find peace. And the reason, though, is it's not just the world's fault. There's a spiritual realm and a spiritual battle going on. Revelation helps us see behind the curtain, so to speak. And Revelation 6, verse 4, says its rider, referring to the devil, was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other, to him was given a large sword. In other words, one of the main weapons that Satan uses 
is in, its, in his battle against, to steal, kill, and destroy uh, mankind and the earth and everything good is to be this power to take away peace. It's a large sword. And I know in my own life, uh, this has been an ongoing battle, and I battle to this day. And what I'm going to talk about today is one of the biggest uh, areas of battle for me in, in my own peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. As the Prince of Peace, he overcomes this rider. Amen? Because he's a rider, bent, a conqueror bent on conquest. He is our champion of peace. And not only is he at peace, he is peace. He brings peace, and he doesn't just give us a formula for peace. He says, my peace I will give to you. See, we don't have to have it all figured out. Amen. We just need to receive, learn how to receive his peace deep into our souls. As Jesus was facing the cross, being rejected, suffering, being killed, the disciples were not at peace. And so he encourages them with these words in John 14, verse 1. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then he ends this little chat in John 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Can I get a witness from the congregation? But take heart. How's our hearts this morning? Do we have hearts filled with hope and faith and love and courage? Take heart. I have overcome the world. Our hope is not in ourselves. It's in Jesus having overcome, overcoming currently, and will always overcome the world. And then John 14, 27, in the middle of this talk, he says this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Amen? So encouraging. Who needs a little peace? I can use some peace. Amen? Uh, what's troubling you? What are you afraid of uh, today? Uh, the peace of the king. Last week we talked about how Jesus was, first of all, at peace with the Father. Our peace starts with Jesus' peace, and his peace started with him being at peace with the Father, and we could include with the Holy Spirit. They were completely one. He was completely at peace with the Father. He was not hiding from God, which is what sin makes us do. He was hiding in God, which is what openness ushers us into. He was at peace with himself. He knew exactly who he was, who he wasn't, and he was at completely, he was completely at peace with himself. Thirdly, he was at peace at <laughs> he the faith. He with okay, he was at peace with his cup. He was at peace with <laughs> Rewind. He was at peace with his cup. What does that mean? We've all been given a cup. Okay? We all have an assignment. We all have a mission, a purpose. And uh 
We've been given many blessings into our cup. Goodness, kindness, many boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. We all have good things mixed into this cup, but then also what goes into this cup? We have trials. We have hardship. We have pain. We have things not going the way we thought they would go, right? We have discouragement. We have depression. We have all these things. We, have, we struggle with sin. All these things are into our cup. And what the world says, the world says, if you want peace and joy and happiness, just get all the bad out of the cup, whether it be through avoiding it, medicating it, anesthetizing it, just get the bad out the cup and then drink all the good. But that's not what Jesus did. It's like, no, I have an assignment. And in that assignment is blessing people, loving people, having incredible relationships with people, but it's also a way of suffering. And I will receive all of my cup, and I will drink it fully to the end, to the bottom. Do you guys ever have a, 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 just a good old cup of, cup of coffee? And in that, mm, right? And just, just think of your favorite, maybe when you walk into your favorite coffee shop and the aroma, oh, and your mind starts and your stomach starts, and then you get your cup of coffee and you go over to the, the cream station and you put in a little of that sugar. I like the sugar packets, the raw sugar. Uh, I don't want any of that fake stuff. Just give me some real sugar, right? And you put that in there. And then you put some cream in, and what happens when the cream is sour? You know what happens? What happens? Curdles, right? And it separates out. And I think, oh, you just ruined. I got to get that curdled milk out. And I've actually done this. I've taken a spoon to try to get the curdled and put it out and still taste it to see if it's okay. Because that's coffee. You can't throw away coffee. My goodness, blasphemy. But that's, uh, that's what we like to do with the pain in our cups. We like to curdle it on out and get it out. But actually, it can be the pain that brings us the peace. Being at peace with his cup. Are you at peace with your assignment, with your cup? And lastly, I want to talk today about being at peace with People, people, one of the biggest ways Satan can steal our peace is through dependency on other people. I thought maybe the word codependency, I don't know, dependency. When we're at peace with the Father, with ourselves, and with the cup that we've been given, then we can be at peace with people Regardless, and this is key, regardless of their thought, their thoughts, feelings, or actions, or inactions in or around us. Am I alone in this where it's easy for my peace to be stolen, not by some person, but by Satan through that person, right? And maybe they don't like me or agree with me, or maybe they think I'm a, you know, what? And, uh, uh, um, and that can steal my peace. And this is a big problem uh, with 
our peace, especially in today's age of social media. Um, so um, we're going to talk about that today. John 16, verse 33. We've already read this, but he says, I've told you things that in me you have peace, in this world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus being at peace with people didn't mean an absence of conflict, did it? It didn't mean everyone agreed with him. It didn't mean that everyone is perfectly obedient to him, right? It meant that independent of others, he remained at peace within himself. Satan was unable to use people to steal his peace. How does Satan, how does Satan do this with us? Let's turn our Bibles over to Luke chapter 4. How does Satan do this with us? I think that he convinces us somehow that in order for us to have peace within ourselves, we need to be at peace with people. Uh, and it's interesting how when you start to listen for this message from the world, how much it screams at us through, especially, I think, music. Songs, popular songs, especially like romantic type songs, communicate a message of if, if, if someone doesn't like you or love you, you're lost. Or some ultra dramatic emotion. Like when I was growing up, there was this song, I don't remember, I'm sure some of you will tell me who sang this. I can't live if living is without you. Who sang that? Celine Dion or something? Before her? <laughs> I can't live if living is without you. I can't breathe. I can't. And it just screams at us this. That's beautiful, isn't it? Screams at us this message of if I don't have your love, my life is over. And it's like, Codependency. <laughs> Every song. If I don't get you to like me, I'm done. And uh, uh, it, it's really the reason that's the message of the world, because that's the worldview of, of the world. That's the paradigm. I, at, I, who I am is dependent on how you feel about me, et cetera, et cetera. So therefore, this message... We need others to, number one, agree with us. This is called, uh, we're right and everyone else is wrong. And so that's why I need you to agree with how I think, right? Or secondly, we need them to think well of us. Uh, my feeling of peace is dependent on how respected I am. Uh, when it comes to either friends, close friends, or rom romance, or or marriage, or these kind of things. My peace is dependent on your feelings for me. I need you to like me. And we talked a little bit about this last week, but Facebook fed off this to make a gazillion trillion dollars. Um, the, the old like button uh, feeds off a hit. The, one of the Facebook founders, I listened to this, uh, interview about how it was all about a dopamine hit that we get with the like button. And who and I 
I, as much as I preach against this, I'm victim of it. Uh, Christy puts up the Facebook picture of the kids skiing and, and uh, uh, attaches me on it. I don't even know how that works. It's miraculous. But somehow it ends up on me. And uh, so guess what I look at? Who liked the picture? It, I'm not even in the picture. It's the kids. And you can't even see them. They're covered head to toe with goggles and gear. And, but but, but who, who liked that? It's this... It's this, what is that? It's this need for peace inside, but it's outsourced to others. And then lastly, uh, if you're in a, in a position of leadership, or which most of us are in one degree or another, uh, peace is stolen by others not doing what we want them to do. So if you have children, your children can steal your peace because... They don't stop everything the moment you ask them to do something. And <laughs> I see lots of kids, teenagers, giggling toward their parents right now. Um, but something in the parent, our peace is stolen when they don't immediately do exactly what we want them to do. So Satan messes with us, doesn't he? Any of these you identify with? Um, I, for me, it's uh, two and three. Well, it's all these, but for people to think well of me and to like me, Satan can steal my peace through those means. So let's talk about Jesus. We've talked about humanity. Let's go back to Jesus. Amen? How did he deal with this? Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. So from the beginning until the end, people all around Jesus were... Uh, back and forth on this spectrum. Luke chapter 4, from the, Jesus was in the desert, um, baptized, and begins his ministry. Verse 14, says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Oh, Jesus, he's awesome. He's amazing. Did you hear that message? Oh, I've never heard anything like that. Certainly better than those priests around here because he taught with authority. All right? That message was so encouraging, so inspiring. Jesus, I love him. Everyone's just like, whoa, like, 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 like. Thousands. Okay? Until verse 22, let's go eight verses later, all spoke well of him. Okay, in, in, in amazed, were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. But now things start to turn. Wait a second. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote the proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what you have heard, what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Already starting to get critical. I tell you the truth, he considered, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. What's he doing right here? He's saying, Oh, you Jews who are so high on your spirituality 
And in your great faith, need I remind you that it was actually the Gentiles who had more faith than you, even though you think you're so much better than him. So he's starting to cut to the heart. And how does that go? Oh, I'm so convicted. You're right. I was wrong. Thank you for blessing me with this truth, Jesus. Funny, that's not how it went, was it? All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. What, what just happened? A few verses earlier, probably a few minutes earlier, oh, Jesus, now pushing him off to kill him. See, that's what happens when we look for peace from other people to validate who we are and what we do. Are you with me there? So from the very beginning, but I love this, verse 30, but he walked right through them and went on his way. No big deal. How about us? Anyone try to murder you this past week? Okay, we, we had an amen. Okay, so we'll talk, okay? Uh, yet, did this, did this throw Jesus off? Oh, boy, maybe I messed up. Maybe I was a little too harsh. Probably need a little more relationship time before I really brought the sword on in. Nope, he went on his way. No big deal, right? He was completely at peace, regardless of the crowd from the very beginning. Was this the only time this happened? Of course not. Constantly going on. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Uh, from the beginning to the end. Uh, and the end, of course, they didn't actually just try to kill him. They did kill him. They crucified him. Uh, he was rejected and hated. First of all, in his own town. Uh, we just read about in Nazareth, his, one of his main first rejections. His own people, the Jews, the Israelites, the Jewish leaders, completely rejected who he was. His own family, his mother and brothers, uh, called him off his rocker, in essence, disrespected him. And then his own followers, his most loyal disciples, in his greatest hour of need, abandoned him. And yet... Did any of these things shake Jesus' peace? If he needed those people for his peace, this Jesus would have been the most troubled being on the, in the history of the planet. And yet, he never lost his peace. How? How did he maintain peace with people uh, despite how they acted? Number one, total freedom. Total freedom from the world and from men, okay? We're going to talk about that. And then number two, a total blessing to men. In order to really bless the people, Jesus had to be free from his dependency on them. Um, in John 15, he was free from the world. John 15, verse 18 says, if the world hates you, he's telling his disciples this, the world hates you, Keep in mind, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you 
as its own. Do we really want the world to love us? We say no, but we act like we do. Jesus is like, you don't belong to the world. You've died to the world. Um, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. In order to look down on the world and judge it and condemn it, that's not what he said to do, John 3.17, but to bless the world through himself. Okay? Um, he was free from the world. He did not need the world's approval. Secondly, he was free from men. John 5, verse 41 says, I do not accept praise from men. I do not accept praise from men. In other words, I don't want you to like my Facebook post. I don't even accept it. I'm just going to cancel it all out. Because he knew when he started to accept praise from men what that does to his heart. Now, I qualify that. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't, you don't all need to go and cancel your Facebook subscription or, or whatever. Um, so, okay, that's not the point of all this. But he says, I do not accept praise from men. Isaiah 40, see what happens is when men get big, God gets small. But when God is big, Men, not, not just males, men and women, people are small, okay? Isaiah 40, verse 6, says, All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. This is a statement on humanity and the things of humanity versus God and the things of God. And what brings great peace to your soul is not just that all men, other men are grass, but that you are grass and I am grass. Are you with me there? We're really not that big a deal. So one of the best messages of self-help can be lose yourself. Amen? Um, stop thinking so much about yourself. It's the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God. It's Jesus. It's the church of Jesus. This is what lasts. Okay? Um, dependency on, on humans leads to fear. Fear leads to self-focus. Self-focus leads to an attempt to control. And that leads to anger, frustration, and ultimately strain from God and more and more reliance on ourself. So uh, I, th I think this is okay. I'm going to quote Yoda. Okay? Star Wars came out, a little Yoda. Uh, says the fear of loss is a path to the dark side. Attachment leads to jealousy, the shadow of greed, that is. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. Now, Yoda said it, but it comes straight from the Word of God and Jesus' peace. Amen? Um, is it okay to quote Yoda in church, or is that 
non-religious. It's amazing. Okay. Well, let's just get back to the Word of God. Um, so I have struggled with this dependency on people uh, all my life. I'll share a little bit. It started when I was young with a dependency on the opposite sex, just needing girls to like me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember sitting there and thinking, uh, obsessing with who could I get to like me? And somehow my identity was tied into uh, some female's uh, affection or approval. Uh, when I became a disciple, though, that, was, that largely died. I didn't, it's just like I remember feeling this incredible freedom. Uh, ever since I can remember, since kindergarten, because this little kindergarten girl, she's, uh, she's just like, thought I was cute or something. I don't know. But she was like all affectionate up on me. And, and it was like, and I remember thinking like, that felt good. And then when I feel bad, I know where to go to feel good. And I just was obsessed with um, that. I've told that story before. Uh, but when I became a disciple, it's like, I don't, I don't need the approval of the opposite sex. But Satan didn't just like, okay, lost him. No, no, no. Because that root of flesh was still there. And it was replaced with spiritual leaders. Spiritual leaders. If I can get spiritual leaders to approve of me, then I can feel good about myself spiritually. Does that make sense? And we do need to... Res um, we need to respect our spiritual leaders, our elders. That's clearly in the scriptures. Amen? We need to honor them. Um, but we need to be careful to not pedestalize or idolize our spiritual leaders. That leads to bad things when you start to see that leader's feet of clay. When you start to see their mistakes and their sins and that they're just as human, if not more so. Maybe that's why they're a leader, because they're a chief of sinners, not void of sin. So when we start to see that chief of sinner start to act like himself, we can be like, why did I even listen to him in the first place? He's a sinner just like me. He's no better than me. And we can start to go down dark paths. Does that make sense? I, I remember for a few years, I, would, I, I idolized, I pedestalized my leaders. And I thought if they believed in me, I could believe. If they thought I was doing good, I must be doing good. And that led to dark places. And I have had spiritual leaders that have given to me and helped me grow in my faith and have helped me a great deal. And I've also seen them struggle spiritually. I've seen them fall away from God. I've seen them leave the church, and God all the while was working on, chiseling on my heart. Your dependency is in the wrong place, son. I am your spiritual leader. I am your father. Amen? Uh, uh, I'm saying God was saying that to me, right? When I say, does that make sense? Deep places in, with God saying, I am your father. I am your Lord. I have got you. I will never leave you. You need spiritual leaders around you, but not more than me. We have to have that order in the right place. Amen? And so I really grew a lot through that. Um, and, then it, and then I got married. Woo! Okay. Uh, and uh, um, I, this, this 
dependency on Christie's approval started to seep in there. And have you ever heard the expression, when mama ain't happy, nobody happy? Right? You've heard that? What that is, is a message from the world, not God. It's a message of codependency that says the spouse's mood dictates the mood of the home. And that's just really not what the Bible teaches. But that's what was the reality in my own heart. And so I felt if Christy's mad at me, I'm not at peace. Or if she's happy, or if she's sad, or if she's doing good, or if she's, you know, having a fit of rage at the cat. Sorry to confess your more, more recent sins. We in our family feel sorry for the cat. It's not good, you know, uh, do I know PETA members here? On the web? Okay. There's been abuse in our home. Okay? Just that, and that hasn't been Christy. Somehow the cat has a way of oozing in. Um, but, you know, I needed to grow past that. So I would get full of anxiety. A lot of it came from my own, some upbringing, childhood experiences. But I would have this anxiety, this lack of peace, that any moment, Christy could leave a note, no matter how good we were doing. Christy could leave a note saying, I'm out of here, and I'm taking the kids. Adios, don't ever talk to me again. And I would live with this lack of peace. And I, I, I got help with it specifically. And I needed to understand that, hey, one of my, my, my counselor friends was like, well, let's just talk about that. What if that does happen? Because it could. Here I am trying to make sure Everyone's happy and control everything. He's like, stop. What if it did happen? You'd be okay. Oh, my world. No, no, no. Because your world is, is God and the Word of God and the Spirit within you. And you're a Christian. And you'd walk a Christian through that. And you'd be okay. And I had to, I had to go there. And I let it go. And I surrendered. And now, no longer, mama ain't happy, well, I can still be happy. Instead of taking the temperature as the leader, I can set the temperature in the home, fathers. Amen? Who really leads? Okay? Um, and then more, uh, another phase was uh, criticalness. You know, if any of you listen to K-Fan, it's the, uh, uh, it's the uh, sports talk radio show out of Minnesota what I grew up with, but there's a great DJ on there. He's, his name is The Common Man, and he's hilarious. He's actually a comedian disguised as a sports talk show radio host because uh, he really doesn't talk about sports very much. But anyways, uh, there was a time where whenever he would be talking and whenever the phone would ring or someone in, he'd stop his monologue and say, is that a complaint? <laughs> is that a complaint? Like every call was a complaint. And sometimes I feel that way. Whenever my phone rings, you know where I go? What I do wrong? Is that a complaint? Someone's critical. Someone's mad. Someone's going to leave the church. And I have to get past that because I can't be what I need to be in leadership, right? If I'm dependent on someone being upset. So I don't know. How about you? Any of those ring, ring a bell? You got your own, you got your own issues, you know, <laughs> not just me. Uh, I got plenty. So maybe you can learn some from me. 
Um, imitate the repentance part, not the, the bad part. Okay, and so once we're totally free from the need for people, now we can be free to bless. Jesus wasn't free from people and went off in his cave. His freedom from people enabled him to bless them according to their needs. I'm going to read Romans 12, and then we're going to take communion. Well, after I talk a little more. Romans 12, verse 14. I think this, is, this, isn't, this isn't Jesus talking, but I think, this, of course, this is the spirit of Jesus communicating a little later on. I think there's insight into how Jesus was able to, to have his peace despite what was going on with the people around him. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. See, this reveal, when we do this, it reveals that we're still dependent on others and how they act because it dictates how we act toward them. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is what Jesus did. Uh, this is what Jesus did um, as Judas came to betray him. Friend, do what you came for. He wanted to give Judas every opportunity to turn back again at some point. He didn't condemn him. He called him friend. This is what Jesus was able to do as those were crucifying him, mocking him, spitting on him physically, emotionally, disrespecting him, etc., etc. Uh, he was able to return to them, mocking in return. Smack talk right back. Nope. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He offered kindness. He offered forgiveness. And with his family, his mother, while he was in all this pain, hanging on the cross for hours. Uh, he was almost dead before he even was nailed to the cross. And then six hours. I mean, I get a twinge of a headache, and I'm like, ibuprofen. Right? Jesus and all this never got inward focused. His mother's there. His best friend John is there. And instead of being bitter and angry, he blessed them. Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. He was a blessing to his enemies. He was a blessing to his friends. He was a blessing to people who mistreated him. He was a blessing to uh, people who became disciples simply by watching how he was in return for evil toward him, how he blessed them in return. How about you and I? Are we free from men in order to bless them? If we're codependent on them, we can't be what God calls us to be for them. Peace, inner peace. 
Let's receive as we take communion the peace of Christ. In Christ, and only in Christ, we can have peace with the Father, not through hiding from Him, but hiding in Him because of openness. In Christ, we have peace with ourselves through total acceptance of who God made us to be and who God continues to make us to be by His Spirit. In Christ, we have peace with our cup, not just the good things in our cup, but the pain, the suffering, the trials. We drink it completely through total surrender. And in Christ, we have peace with the world, with people, not because of how they act, but because our conqueror bent on conquest has overcome the world. Amen? Let's go ahead and remember Jesus as we take communion. Father, thank you. We as humans, we're so fragile. We're so weak and and strugglers and sinful. Uh, Father, forgive us for how much we look to other people, ultimately instead of you, for our peace. Father, I pray we can be a people at peace with you because we're wide open. We have nothing to hide. A peace with ourselves, a peace with uh, our cup, whatever may come. For next year, that we're at peace, and at peace with people, not because of how they act or think or feel, but because of who you are and how you act and think and feel. Father, our only hope is in you. We remember you, we thank you, we praise you for this amazing son of yours, Jesus. Thank you. We lift you up, your name. We honor you. We remember you, uh, the life you lived, the death you died, why you died. Uh, and the power that God exerted through you as he raised you from the dead. And we, we remember you, and we honor you, and we uh, proclaim your name until you return. And we look forward to that day when we will forever, ultimately enter into this great peace of yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.